Hope everybody's having a wonderful start to their new year. It's John Richards, a cut above horror review, episode number 28. We're talking about one of the movies, probably one of the darker movies we've ever talked about. The Dark and the Wicked from 2020. You can find it on Shudder. Man, uh, we do have some serious thoughts about this movie. So give it a listen, a cut above horror review, episode number 28. Yeah, The Dark and the Wicked from 2020. It starts now. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review. It's a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we'll be discussing the film The Dark and the Wicked from 2020. But before we get started, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, it's Hydraberg. How you doing, Hydraberg? What's going on? What's going on, guys? How are you this week? I'm good. I'm good. Got some fresh ink. Yeah, you have a, a little more ink this week than you did last week. I did. Tell I, us about I, it. I told you guys I won a raffle on Instagram like, uh, I don't know, two weeks ago. So mm-hmm. I cashed in on it this weekend and I got myself a sweet Freddy Krueger like stencil sort of dealy. It, it looks super rad. Thank I love you. it. The beginning yeah. of a horror sleeve. Some, yeah, you're getting some a nice way. little collection there on the forearm. I, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And next up, it's John. How What's are things in California, guys? John? Oh, beautiful. I actually just posted a thing on Instagram of this that. no filter, beautiful pink and purple sunset of san diego california it was beautiful and by the way hydroberg you need to get a cut above horror review tattoo right below the- hell yeah duh like just a tramp stamp put- no on that yeah. same arm because we do yeah. horror movies did you say it's a tramp true. stamp yeah <laughs> i would give you how much would i give you to do that i would give you a hundred bucks to get a tramp stamp of the i would actually above. I would actually throw in a hundred dollars with you on, on that's that not even enough to probably get the tattoo. So I'm not gonna it could be small. <laughs> it could be small and you could have a little leftover. You shouldn't even yourself even out mentioned. for a slice. Put ACA some girl or what whatever the yeah, I just gotta make sure I marry somebody with those initials and I'm good to go. <laughs> shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I'm glad to see you guys back for another week. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. Nice. Uh, John, have you got some news stories for us? Uh, not very much going on this week, although we do have Scream 5, I believe. Well, it's just called Scream. It's coming out on Friday. Early reviews saying it's really, really good. Yeah, I heard Hold, that. Holds up to the uh, first one, although they're, they are not doing a premiere. Uh, it has been canceled due to COVID-related cases. Mm-hmm. That's a shame. Well, I hope that doesn't have too bad of an impact on its box office return i have Why, a feeling ghost, it'll do ghostface okay wears a mask though so i figured I, everything should be fine <laughs> yeah just exactly. you know, like in stab well, just go to the theater wearing a mask and yeah it'll be fine. well there you go it, 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 it it's expected to make 35 to 40 million dollars on its first week so everybody's really done. excited about this uh interview with peter dinklage saying that the remake of toxic avengers is going to be more brutal and offensive than the original whoa more how can you be more offensive than the original i don't know that was i mean in today's climate i feel like you could easily do that but i they're gonna have to do something different i think melvin jeez damn i want to watch that movie right now i want to watch the original yeah well john pick it for next week yeah we should cover it no i already got something in mind which i think you guys will enjoy for next week uh michael bay producing an american remake of the ultra violent indonesian film the raid 
No, I'm good mm. on that. I'm good yeah. on a Michael Bay take on the raid. The raid is like sacred. Yeah. And Indonesian films like those, like um, Timo and his films, mm-hmm. like those are really good. Those so are awesome, good. like action films. So good. They don't need American remakes. Like just have Americans watch those. Like, have American you seen it, Jacqueline? I have not. But really just good. in general, I, I honestly do not understand the trend of doing American remakes of foreign films. I really don't get it. Um, I think there are so few that I personally think are successful. And I, I just, it's really hard for me to understand why people just can't read subtitles. I don't like, know. What well, is the objection here? I really don't get it. There's a few, like The Ring. The Ring was pretty good. I yeah. love The Ring remake. Yeah. Yeah, and The Grudge, good. too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, not as much for me, but yeah, The Grudge wasn't bad. The Ring is, yeah. a, stand, is a standout for sure. Yeah. Well, I, it, from what I read, it, it was a couple months back. I guess they're remaking Train to Busan, but they're going to make it an American version. Oh, so yeah, Timo's doing it. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So Timo's doing the remake of Train to Busan, and I think it's uh-huh. going to be called Last Train to New York. Okay. So it's probably going to be like very kinetic yeah. action. Oh, I would. Which he's really good. So. So, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll give I, it a go. I have some very personal feelings about Train to Busan, which are good. They're all good. So I, I, I don't want to see an American remake of that yeah. movie. <laughs> I mean, there's but something like about how, that. How oriented towards American tastes? I mean, do you feel like maybe with Timo, an Indonesian director, doing yeah. it, maybe it won't be like maybe it'll have a greater chance of success and kind no. of. No, it might. Because, well, I mean, it's a Korean film. So uh, again, like. Train to Busan to me was—it's a gem. It's—it's it's one of those, yeah. and maybe we'll reveal one day. But that movie is so special in my heart that it's just—I don't know. It's like like remaking Halloween or or Exorcist or whatever. You know, so yeah, a movie that you hold near and dear. Sure. Why? I think Why? one of our favorite directors remade Halloween, didn't he? What? I think one of our favorite directors re- uh, remade Halloween. Yes. Oh, I'll say it, Rob Zombie. Oh, <laughs> the inimitable Rob Zombie. We need a bump for whenever we mention Rob Zombie. It should be like Pee Wee Herman from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Whenever somebody says the word of the day and they all freak out like, ah, yeah, or like uh, just a little excerpt of one of his songs. Like, no, him just going, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. <Devil> man. <laughs> yeah. anyway, all I was trying to say about Timo is that because he's not American himself, perhaps there will be less of the like American yeah. flavor imposed on the story and maybe it'll have more of a unique flavor since it's Timo and we already know and love him. I think you might be right. I don't know. Just just me being optimistic. It's definitely piqued my interest a little bit more now that you mentioned that he's in charge of it. So. I think I'm right. I mean, I could be giving you guys faulty intel, but I'm pretty sure oh, that's no. correct. So Fake news, Jacqueline. Fake Internet's going to tear us apart, Jacqueline. Thank you. We're canceled now. <laughs> Hold on, I'm just gonna Google this real quick. Train to all Busan. of our sponsors. This is how all this of our sponsors. We apologize. We do not believe what Jacqueline just said. So no, I'm just kidding. I think I'm right. <laughs> Debate swirls on Train to Busan. I um, do think um, every once in a while there's like a zombie film that like transcends and goes above and kind of moves the genre forward because it you know it is a cluttered genre and I feel like Train to Busan is definitely one of those. You know, like 28 days later. Yeah, I want to say, yeah, it's almost every five years. You got Shaun of the Day. You got Train to Busan. Like yeah, you said, 20, 28 days later. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something you're right. It actually it elevates the zombies genre yeah. or subgenre. And 
I don't know. Maybe maybe we are due for this. I I have no idea, but it's it, it, I, I'm folding my arms, going like you know, fuck you. I don't want <laughs> I don't want you to mess with this right now. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, Google has confirmed it's Timo. So, oh, I was right. Google's never wrong. No fake news. No fake news around here. Thank you, Internet. <laughs> Real quick, are you guys gonna go see Scream this week? I think I'm gonna. I mean, I got the Regal Pass and. Uh... I, you know, I, I owe it to the audience and our podcast. I got to go see it so I can be. Oh, you got to give the people what they want. I, I got to give people what they want. And they I want to hear you talk about, about it. You know what? I do want to see what a West Craven less uh, scream is going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try. They do. I work yeah. a lot. So I don't know. I'm going to try. You do work a lot. Yeah. Yes. That's well, why you owe it to yourself, John, to get your butt in the seats and go see the scream. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be streaming anywhere, right? Yeah, your... Not that I know of. Uh, me either. Yeah, I don't I think don't so. Know. I've already got my tickets for Thursday night. Boop, boop. I saw that. Good for you. Where are you going? I saw awesome. it was for two adults. You're going with Joey? Oh no. <laughs> my friend my friend Megan's coming up from Orlando. Oh, Megan's Megan. She's hot. She's hot. The, in, the famous Megan that has been mentioned many times. The Megan the that's show, never so. been featured on this show. However, she's one of the most popular characters on this show. She's very <laughs> exactly. supportive on our socials as well. She is, yeah. So no, Megan is rad. I love me some Megan. So she's gonna come up because she's so awesome, and she knows it's hard for me to like get away from the kids and stuff. So she's gonna drive up. Yeah, and we're we have a tradition. So whenever we do our, uh, when we've been living in the same city, we do like movie marathons, and we always get pizza, like stuffed crust pizza from Pizza Hut. Yeah, I know it's gross, but we love it. And so we're gonna get a stuffed crust pizza, go see Scream, and it'll be just like old times. There you go. Love that. Yeah. It's my girl. So any other news, John, or is that it? I think we're good. All right. All right. Well, Hydraberg, you want to clue us in on what motivated you to choose this film for us this week? Uh, Yeah, it's just it's one of the uh, Shutter originals that really like just stands out to me in the past couple of years. Um, I just really I like I love the poster art and just the subject matter and the um, the tone of the movie. It's um. It's really good. It feels like something that would have came out in theaters, to be honest. Yeah, John? I, I, I got a really quick question. Have you seen this movie before before you picked it? Yeah, I've seen it once. Okay. All right. Just make sure. And it sure. definitely stuck with me enough that I, when I was making my list not too long ago of some potential picks, I threw it in there. Okay. All right. Interesting. And I feel like not enough people have probably even seen it, too. So it's good for us to cover it and bring it to the forefront. Agreed. All right. good, you guys all, seen good, it? all good reasons. I had not seen it. This was cool. my first watch. First watch for me. Oh, John, I thought you had seen it. You based on your reaction last week. I guess you had wanted to see it. I yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah I mean, okay, like cool. like like you said with the poster art. Like I looked at it and go, yeah, that's something I kind of want to watch. for red and it's black posters. Yeah. 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 John and I were dark and wicked virgins. We were nice. <laughs> the best kind. Maybe the reach around will help us out with that. <laughs> you were virgins, but you were already dark and wicked. <laughs> All right. Well, that leads us nicely into uh, our next topic, which is, fellas, does this film fuck or does it suck? Hydraberg, I think you should go first since this was your pick. Yep, I'll go first. All right. Um, so right off the bat, I think this movie is a fuck for sure. But it's not a feel good fuck of any kind. <laughs> you don't this feel good about it repeat, <laughs> It's not going to be a repeat watch for a lot of people because of the way it leaves you feeling it in the end without spoiling anything. And um, but it's still a fuck, in my opinion. All right. All right. John, what about you? 
this is gonna be weird to say, but I think it's a <laughs> it's gonna be the fuck of your life that you regret. Dude, I was thinking that when when I was doing my notes today, I was like, it's sort of like a fuck you regret. But you loved it. You did and like you, it, but it makes you, you feel you guilty. Not you do not want to go back and do it again. No, you're right. <laughs> um, God damn this. Man, there's you got to be in a certain headspace for this movie, and I, you know, good thing I'm in a good headspace right now. That that you know, but I ever since I watched it, I'm still thinking about it, and I'm just like, good lord, this movie was. Ooh, this movie was heavy. Mm. But we'll get more into it, Jacqueline. How do you feel about it? Does this movie fuck or suck? Well, uh, it sounds like I may have an unpopular opinion here. Oh wow! But I. I don't think I can in good conscience be true to myself and say that this movie fucks. I I don't think it it was not a fuck for me. Uh, However, I'm not sure yet whether or not it sucks. I feel like I need my friends, my compatriots to discuss and analyze and overanalyze every detail and go over all the details of the fuck to decide whether I regret it or not. Oh, it's <laughs> so, a flaccid fuck for you right now? I don't know. It might, well, it, it, it may, I don't know if it even sucks. It may be a flat, it might be a frigid fuck. Ooh. It may neither suck nor fuck. It may just lie mm. there and do nothing. <laughs> wow. still so, coming in with the hot take. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, I'm relying on this conversation to kind of steer me whether, to to help steer me and help me land at a final conclusion. Gotcha. That's all I can say right now. Well, I'll drop the spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about The Dark and the Wicked from 2020 in its entirety, which you can find on Shutter if you have not seen this movie. Make sure you pause the podcast, go watch it, then come back to find out what we thought about it. All right. Hydraberg, you ready to hit us with that reach around plot summary? This Damn. better be good because you said this is fire. It'll put our crotches on fire as well. So I said it'll this. make your crotches tingle. Whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> do that too. All right. The barn door is open. The sheep are crying. Evil live here. There's no denying. A family's plight of suffering dying. Two siblings come with bonds untying. The wicked whispers, its tongue is lying. Your soul in hell and fire is frying. At night, the air is filled with something strange. A darkness crept this open range. Your sanity it rearranged. This evil plays a nasty game. It preys on guilt and tortured pain. To save the flock, these siblings came, but were ushered in like lambs to the slaughter. Their souls now used for the devil's barter. A tale that ends in the death of a son and a daughter. Holy shit. Yeah, you did no disappointment have- right there. That was fantastic. I got to tell you, that reach around was way better than the movie. Whoa! You're coming that down reach, hard on this movie. That reach around fucked, <laughs> undeniably, <laughs> undeniably. I gotta <laughs> say though, the, the acting in this movie was top notch. Um, the cinematography, I really loved. What do you call it, sepia? Because it was never bright. It was yeah. always like very, um, which sets the subdued. Tone. It was so subdued, and there was no brightness to this, and it just set the mood of it. Was that? I said this movie's bleak as shit, and I think that sets the tone. I like you said, absolutely. All right, I so Jack. All right, Jacqueline, where are you having the problem with this movie? 
Okay. You want me just to like jump right into my, please, my, please. my objections. All right. Uh, th there's a couple different things that I'll mention, but I think they sort of all fall under the same umbrella. Okay. Uh, I feel like this movie does not really have much of a story. I think it's, it's more of like a series of just like episodic moments. And I don't feel like there's really a story being told. And I don't feel like there's really much character building or exploration mm. of family dynamics here. I feel like, and I, and I think, and I mean, I, I started to feel this way from the, like the second scene of the movie um, that I started picking up on this because we we're thrown immediately into some dark and sad and sort of crisis, like events that revolve around a crisis. And there's nothing that like builds up to that. We're just like thrown right into the middle of it from the get-go. We haven't seen the relationship between all these different members of the family. We haven't seen what this family is in happier times. We don't know what they have fallen down from. We just start right in like a pit of despair. I, I feel like a lot of that is is addressed through like subtext and like subtlety. You're right though. Like they don't come out and tell you right away what's going on. We obviously know that there's like the siblings left the house. Obviously they probably grew up on this farm. They couldn't wait to get away. It seems, mm -hmm. you know, they have a lot of guilt about leaving their parents behind. And that's sort of what the entity preys on. And then there's like, you could tell through certain conversations with the siblings that they're kind of estranged as well. Like the brother and the, sister are not up to date on each other's lives, uh, things going on in their lives. There's some things in the house, like the mother, there's like that wedding dress you see in that one scene where obviously there's like, you're right. There's a lot of stuff that they don't come out and tell us. We don't get a real sense of what their family dynamic was, what was, but I feel like you still, I don't know, through the characters and the acting, I, I do feel for that family, like enough that it moved me. Uh, and maybe that's just, maybe it's just a difference of like, how each person kind of like attaches or relates to characters and how they get invested into a story. But I just, I, I think you're right about hinting at certain things, but I don't feel like it's enough to fully flesh out the story. Like when it starts, the father is already like comatose. Yeah. The mother is already being haunted by something. Um, it's like we don't see anything gradually happening to the mother. We don't see, I mean, that the father is basically a non-character. Then they find her journals, though, and you find out what she was going through. Why I disagree. I think the dad played a big character because he was he was comatose the whole time, but he kind of surrounded everything because he didn't he, die. He didn't die he, till the very end. Like like to me, I I agree with you, Jacqueline. There's no there's no real buildup. But the thing I loved about this movie was there was this middle and end of what this family was. Cause you did learn that they weren't religious. We, they didn't believe yeah. in God. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was almost like a so, so, social commentary on religion. You know, do you believe in a higher being and the, this sure. family? So I'm not saying that there are no themes being explored. I, I I'm talking really more about like the characters themselves. And so, that. because, and, and I'm not saying that the father is not important narratively, 
but he doesn't have a character himself. No, he doesn't. Really. And we don't he's, really know what his illness was. Right. So like how, he, he however, does function within the narrative, but he but, himself right. is he, not a well, character. He's one, of, he's one of the main characters of that, that, every, that everybody is taking care of, of, of yeah. you know, ensuring, you know, and they have a conversation of Louise and Michael that, you know, we need to get him out of here because they're trying to protect him. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and he can't. And this doctor right. goes, we can't do that. He's not going to make it to the road or the highway because he's going to die. Right. Yeah. So, but that plays as like a narrative device. Like that is a, a necessary plot point to make the rest of the movie like logical. Cause otherwise it's like, well, then they can just leave. Um, but like I, for, for me to have emotional stakes in what happens in the film, I need to be more invested in the characters. And I don't feel like there really are emotional stakes for me i i disagree because i think that dad was actually the you know the person holding the devil back which is why he was comatose well, and as soon as he died his louise got killed i or, feel like he's also the reason that the entity's there in the first place you know i agree i think, I think he's body. the devil that's true he, he's yeah. the devil that is comatose and once he dies you know, it's over. The movie's over. Cut to black. I guess what I would say, just for the sake of comparison, is, you know, like, I'm sure you guys have heard the very familiar complaint about The Shining, or like Stanley Kubrick's film adaptation of The Shining, as opposed to Stephen King's novel, which is that in Stanley Kubrick's film, we don't really see that much of a descent into madness from Jack Torrance, because you can tell that he's already like kind of halfway lost it from the get go. And so when a character doesn't have as far to fall, like the, the, you know, it's not as dramatic. You don't care as much because it's like, well, he's already kind of nuts. And so I guess that's, that's the sort of comparison that I'm making here. It's like, we don't see this family really fall. We see them, we start out with them already kind of in. We get to see like a lot of trauma that happens to them. And like the siblings, you get to see their relationship, how rocky it is. And then it, I don't know, it kind of even falls apart even further in the, mm. the movie based on like the brother's decisions and the daughter just decides to stay. Also, it just doesn't feel terribly dynamic to me. Did you see when like when they start being hallucinate, they start hallucinating and being like um, tortured by the entity? Each of them has a different um, like the, the, the daughter sees her the father all the time. Every time she's like frightened or the entity is like coming after her. It's always in the father's image. And then with the son, it's always the mother's image. True. Which I don't know if it's part of their guilt or, you know, mothers and daughters, you know, fathers and sons, you know, that type of dynamic. I, Maybe it's, it's what the movie's theme is, but. You're, wait, were you saying. Like every time the Louise, son has Louise, a hallucination, it's always the, the entity's always taken his mother's um, form. Yeah. But um, Louise also has like a couple of phone incidents. Yeah, and, and then the mother's the voice, but there's like the mother's up. voice there, not the father, and the priest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to go back on something you said, Jacqueline. Is that they, you don't see the family dynamic before of what happened, and it, like for me personally, that didn't bother me. I actually enjoyed that because we got to where they are now till the end of the movie, and it was just that didn't bother me at all. I mean, it was just like to me. This thing, this thing slow burned yeah. quickly enough to where it was just, it kept my interest and in it. it was just like my, my heart sank every time. My, I just had this gross feeling in my stomach watching it. 
in a good like way. We fill in the gaps, you know, ourselves as an audience. Right. Well, and that's the way I felt. And again, Jacqueline, I I think you you have a very valid point of like, well, how did they get to this point? Where, where you know, why is the dad comatose? You know, when did the mom become? When did this entity enter into the house? You know, and to me, my assumption was is that the dad was always kind of the 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 god or the or, or the person that the entity entered. Once he went comatose, it was released. I see. I just assumed that the entity was enticed by a comatose body and was trying to take his soul because it's easy prey. Right. You know. I think. I think. Weakened. I think that sort of. De- I think all of like that sort of question depends on how you interpret what the entity is. Like, is it a representation of guilt? Is it a representation it of be. grief? Because even before the father dies, you know, at the very end, it's like other people in this circle are kind of taken over by it or are being haunted by it in some way. Like the brother, the when he, yeah, the nurse, she kills herself. The, and she's um, very faithful. She's into, uh, she's very religious. Yeah. And then Charlie, the, I guess he's like, a, what, like a farmhand? Yeah. Uh, you know, he time. has this vision and he seems to be like overcome with guilt and kills himself. So it's like, even though the, even when the father is still alive, other people are still like affected and infected by this. If, if you want to use that word. Right. right. But who's the girl? Okay. Let's go back to Charlie. Charlie like commit suicide, but putting a, you know, a two barrel shotgun in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Who was the girl? Was that well, Louise? That was Louise's image. But okay. I don't know if, it was weird. They don't really describe, tell you what's going on in that scene. It's sort of, it, it definitely haunted him, that image. And I don't know if it was some kind yeah. of guilt he had about I, Luis, or maybe he was thinking Luis's, you know, like, cause he was trying to call the house at that moment, right? Like he was trying he was. to go there and help them. Yeah. He, he was the one that was calling something. when Luis pulled the yeah. phone out of the And wall. so maybe he saw like that as like, I failed them and Luis, you know, killing herself or like she, the entity has her. I don't know. And then it whispers in his, in his ear. That was a badass scene, by the way. <laughs> when she was doing that, like cut yourself. Oh my god, I love that like scene. A slow whisper that you can't really understand what she's saying. Yeah, and there's kind of a herky jerky quality to her movement, sort of like in the ring. Yeah, you know how it's like there. It, there seems to be like sort of cuts in the editing that's like she's moving faster than she really should at yeah. just at, for for a split second. Yeah, that that wasn't clear to me either. I I thought it was Louise, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. Right. Uh, and the main reason I thought it was was because it she had like cuts on her face and it reminded me of when she woke up with the lipstick with lipstick was it lipstick yeah it was, it was like blood, she it found a like thing of lipstick next to her dad yeah oh I must have missed I must have missed that because she washed her face off it was gone yeah 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 I, I, I thought it was first, it looked like blood at first, at first I thought it was cuts on her face but it actually mm-hmm. was the lipstick that that you know okay. 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 That actually makes oh, yeah. a lot I of saw, sense. I saw an object and I, and I couldn't like interpret what that object oh. was visually. I guess it I was do lipstick, think, but like on a visual uh, note, like this movie does like that sense of haunted dread, like really well though. Like agreed. Just oh, any scene where the, the entity is doing something or like, even like that suicide scene is just like, man, they linger on certain things and you just feel like dirty watching it or like, I don't know, like there's some subtlety um, when Luis first like sees that the entity or like, you know, is it approaches her like when that door opens and she goes to look at it. You see like the silhouette of a man real quick in the doorway and then mm-hmm. she passes it. 
And then when you come back, it's her mother. It's, yep, I saw that too. Yeah, well, there was also there was also another scene of uh, it was scanning across the the dining room, and you saw the the cord from the phone that was shaped like a noose, and then it went wow. straight to the barn. I know there's and, some shadow shadow play too. It's, oh, yeah. it's like a Mike Flanagan thing, you know, haunting of Hill House, where you got to look really close. Yeah. And some of those things were were subtle, but kind of like in your face a little bit. Because just the beginning when the mom's like in the kitchen and then she turns around and the chairs just move behind her. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the cinematography of it was just filmed so nicely is that yeah. the character or the actor was out of shape or not out of shape, but out of uh, out of focus a Frame. little bit. But you kind of, yeah, you kind of saw something in the background and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I see that. I will yeah. say that I, I agree with you guys. And I, I think the aesthetics of this film and the mood that's created are outstanding. I think that they made great use of this location and they created a really strong feeling of like isolation mm-hmm. and like sort of emptiness. There's like a yeah. visual emptiness to me. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's like the best way to describe no, it, but it, definitely. Um, and as you mentioned before, Hydrobird, the color palette felt it kind of matched the emotional mood of bleakness and um dis- there's a lot like, like wide despair. shots and slow pans and they mm-hmm. just like you see like the sheep and like they're crying in the background you hear like wind mm-hmm. chimes and some i don't know it's just like really it's they're supposed to be their home right but it doesn't feel like home almost no it feels very cold to me yeah and uh and also i think the sound design was really good and the, the music Absolutely. like the incidental music um mm-hmm. was not always what you'd think of as like traditional music sometimes it felt it sounded like just like metallic clanging or almost like just regular household or outdoor sounds but that were being used as the soundtrack and yeah it helps uh, keep you on edge yeah so I, I think that like the mood building was excellent I, I don't want to take that away I also think there were some really good moments of like dread and fear yeah. that were created um so I, I don't want to take that away at, at all. I think that there was there was a lot of creepiness to too. it, for sure. Yeah. Like um, in that scene where she's going to check the front door, I swear you hear the TV get distorted a little bit, like a, mm. like almost like a demonic tone. Like you hear like, and then like later on in the movie, there's like that that growl you hear. It sounds like a dog almost. Mm hmm. I like the way they likened uh, the devil with wolves. I mean, at first I yeah. thought it was coyotes because I, I live in Southern California, oh, yeah, so canyons, there's, there's coyotes out here. But you always hear a wolf throughout the movie. Uh-huh. And that's what you heard what the priest says to them? And and, but, and the thing is, though, it, it, it well, I did, actually. But but you hear it getting closer and closer throughout the movie uh, to the house. Like, it's yeah. way far off at the beginning of the movie. And then it gets closer and closer to the house. Good call. As it progresses. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty good. I, have to, I didn't really even, even notice that. Like the priest tells them who's not really a priest, right? It's the entity. Correct. What does he say? He says something like um, in the woods, like a wolf doesn't doesn't care whether you believe in it or not. Like it's right. You know, it's which is basically a metaphor for the entity. Like even though mom and the family's not religious, it doesn't matter. Which mm-hmm. is a fantastic scene yeah. afterwards because uh, Louise has the number for the priest and he's like, what are you talking about? I'm in Chicago. You sound just like your mom. And yeah. it's like, I was never there. I've never been there. And then and he talks about his I, daughter. I was just like, holy shit, that was awesome. Yeah. 
and she sounds like his daughter apparently that's yeah with that. that's why i was wondering when when that when charlie has that vision of Luis, i was like was that connected to the priest like daughter was that supposed to be a vision of the daughter but they're not the same character right so charlie was a totally different character than the priest well he was like he was more of a farmhand yeah. He was yeah, more exactly. of like a higher higher yeah. help for the farm. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. speaking of wolves, just like when when all the livestock uh, slaughtered, it's almost like wolves got to them, right? Like that was brutal. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like like seeing that seeing that lamb with uh, three legs. Oh, and, oh man, that uh, scene. That, oh, that that fucked me up. I was. I think just that like, was one of the best oh, moments. God, to so be honest bad. with you, yeah, that was is. one of the best like scenes. Disagree. I think the best scene was Michael getting home. Oh, uh, what about the mom? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Like, oh my god, that's what made my heart sink. And I'm just like, this movie's fucked up. Ugh. I think that was very cleverly done. Um, the, the like, Michael yeah, oh, how, yeah, how we we see what he what he's seeing, but we think that it's objectively what is there, and then we see again through his eyes after he's already cut his throat that there's nobody there. That his wife and his two daughters came home and they just went shopping and he cut his own throat. Oh my God. I, when I watched that scene again too recently, I was just (sighs) like, I I hope Jacqueline can get through this scene. I I know there's kids, you know, involved and stuff. There's no, I was okay. It there wasn't is, easy, but I, it was. It yeah, was especially okay. since it's like a tri- it's trickery anyway. So it's like, yeah, not, not yeah but there, there's but, still, and no it wasn't way. graphic. Like, no, if we'd seen them like gasping and struggling yeah. for air or crying or something, yeah, that would have, I would have had to fast forward you know. a little bit, but I, I was okay. Thanks. It was Thanks still tough to see concerned. them. Yeah, it was tough to see them in the vision that yeah. they were dead, and you saw this blood dripping. You and you feel saw for Michael. Well, and you saw the mom or his wife with or her name was Becky, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And and she was holding the knife, which like was even more disturbing. And yeah. these, these these two young girls are just their throats are cut, and that vision was terrible. But then when they get home, that scream, you just went, "Oh my god, what?" Ugh. man, that was a it was so tragic. Watch. It was, it was so, so tragic. It reminded me a little of the mist at the end. Oh yeah, yeah that's what I it's thought. like. There's just that like a moment that you realize everything is lost, and it's you know it could have been avoided. I mean, right. the but entity I, was able to like reach out, like, even though he left and he left his sister, and you know it was like basically like you know my family's more important, and I'm leaving. I'm leaving you with dad. It was still able to reach him when he got home, you know. Right. So that kind of bothers me. That he I feel like her? I'm just really well. No, so it, I feel like. I'm just going against you guys this week and it's nothing like personal. It's just how I read this. I, I don't like if the entity can like follow Michael and still reach him where he is, then what is the point of spending so much narrative effort to make sure that Louise stays in that house? Because of the guilt of her father, I think. She's tied to him. Right. But it's like what I think, I feel like it's a narrative device that he's too sick to be moved out i think i think they're trying to set up this feeling that it's like creepy stuff is happening so why don't people just leave the house so you need a reason to make sure they stay there and so what they decide on what they decide on to make that part of the story work is oh he's too sick to be moved so she has to stay there and so that answers the question of like oh well why doesn't she just leave because any any movie where there's creepy shit happening in a house your first thought is oh well they should just leave so we know why she can't. There's been like, it's been like deliberately set up to make sure that she stays there. But it doesn't matter 
narratively speaking, if it can get you anywhere. Well, it seems to me so like the, the father's soul is the primary focus of the entity. And the entity is willing to take out, trying to take out anybody that's protecting him, right? Who's Michael, Luis, the caretaker, the mother. So, other haunted movies, like we've seen hauntings that follow people when they move. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I guess like, I'm saying, like, just then you got to pick one. Like, but I also think I also think they explain that away is why the mom was there. The mom started talking to this person, you know, uh, or she sensed it. Yeah. Well, no, she didn't sense it. It was going through her, you know, which is exactly why. And it was weird to me that she was always cutting up something you in know? her journal. Or, she mentions too that she could she she could hear it. No, um, exactly. Well, well, you know, that, that was that was the exposition of everything that yeah. was going on in the house. I, I, I think the explanation was that the husband couldn't leave. You know, this entity had taken over his body comatose mm-hmm. that that she could not leave because if if he if he got transferred somewhere, he, he would die, which is what the doctor explained. I think that's you know, that was kind of the theme of why he couldn't go to hospice or he couldn't couldn't go to a hospital to get better care is that if you do that, he's going to die. They don't want him to die. So. Right. So are you saying the entity wants the the father to stay alive or he wants him to die? Like uh, until the end of like, well, no, nobody else can help him. And I never got the sense. You seem to think that the entity was in the father. I never got the sense that it was in the father. I I felt it. No, I just just think it uses the father's body in the very end. No, like because Louise, he, right? he like dies, he takes his last up. breath, and then Louise gets killed. Yeah. Because anytime somebody's in there with him, you know, something happens. True. You know, Lu- Louise will sleep sleep next to him just to make sure he's okay. And then she has the visions. Correct. Like, like when he was I on the know. roof, which was freaking creepy. But like shit is happening to them in other rooms of the house, too. I don't think and the house is the focus, though. That's the thing. No, so that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like, why spend all this effort making sure that the father stays in the house when it can get you anywhere? And I think, like, I think that because the, it was just dangerous to move him. That's the only reason. I know, but I'm saying that that him. very reason, that like practical reason, that's dangerous to move him. I feel like that was a a deliberate choice in the narrative to serve some other purpose, which ostensibly is to make sure that they stay in the house. But they don't need to stay in the house for the entity to get them. So it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter. And I don't know. Maybe I'm not explaining it very well. I don't know. I didn't focus on the how of how maybe, the entity works. Yeah, maybe it's just like, it, it. It's movie magic of where it attaches. I feel like it's trying to, to have somebody. it both ways. Like, oh, right, I need right. to keep people in the house, but I'm also going to get the brother right, which six is hours what, away. And I understand that you could be because Michael leaves. It also took the place of a priest that it that doesn't live over there either, right, you know, exactly you know, so it's like and, well and so i guess that brings me to another problem for me which is that like okay metaphorically speaking we can you know you could make i think different very plausible arguments as to like what this entity represents like i think you can make really good arguments that it represents grief or guilt or various mm-hmm. other things but in terms of how it like functions for the characters like on a like not on a metaphorical level right. i feel like it's kind of all over the place and messy. Like, I think sometimes it's like possessing characters. I think it's like in them. And sometimes I think it's, and sometimes I think it's not in them. It's like, there are moments where, you know, a character's not possessed, but they're seeing something. I don't never got the idea that they were possessed more than just the thing is manipulating them. 
to do something like commit suicide, basically. Well, like then, okay. Well, we're scaring possessed them being too. manipulated from the inside. It's kind of the same thing, right? I well, mean, not exactly. I mean, I feel like when they're possessing you, the, the demon's taking control of your body. As with well, this, the nurse, the nurse scaring is you into a state possessed, or it's in control of her body. Yeah, and she's and like she, mutilating herself. Something, it's like something spoke to her. She had a vision, and then next thing you know, she's looking out the window, and she decides to kill herself, just like the mom cut her fingertips off, which is a fucking amazing scene, and then hung herself after. That was and, but uh, what I'm saying is I don't think these characters are true are like totally themselves when they're doing those things. Like I don't think no, they're influenced they're, like, by the entity in a sense. They're they, like you could see it whispers and just like with that scene with Charlie, like you see the entity basically whisper into his ear and then he can't like I, either. I think like you're saying, like the metaphor of like maybe they're overcome with great guilt or grief or something to the extent that they they end their lives like basically they can't take it anymore whatever they're seeing or feeling is too much for them we don't know what kind of demon this is right like if it was a demon and they said hey this is this kind of demon and this is the kind of demon it is it, it uses grief against it's you know if maybe there was like a the priest showed up and had told them something about the the demon maybe that would help out or something but i, I don't know the ambiguity it doesn't bother me as much i get it though like you're trying to figure out well how does it work I don't know. It just kind of seems like it, it can do like anything. That. Like just like it follows. Like I don't need to know exactly how that works. It just it just works for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying, though. I don't know. Just the 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 dots weren't like connecting for me. Yeah. No, I could understand that. I, it, yeah, maybe point. they don't, but like like for me, it was. Yeah, I guess you, you got the middle of the story. It's like 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 if you like to read a story, a story that has a beginning, middle, and end, you got it towards middle end to end. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have anything before that, you know, of, of why this happened. But to me, the the way it built up, because this was like it was a what hour and 35 minutes. And mm-hmm. the way like at first it was a slog for me. I'm like, Okay, so why am I learning about these characters? What's going on here? Okay, so they're fixing a tire or whatever. You know, Charlie, uh, Michael, and and Louise are fixing a tire. Okay, so the dad's comatose, though. The mom's kind of having these experiences. And then it's just like, it picks up. It's almost like it takes eight steps up from where it started. It's just like a slow burn, yeah? Well, but, but, but the way it slow burned, it went from slow burn to... Well, let's set this motherfucker on fire and go. Yeah. And I loved it. I don't know. It was emotional though. You gotta be in a really good headspace to watch this movie. I see, yeah, I like I like the family plight. Uh I know that we don't get a sense of exactly how they what their dynamic was, but I just feel like I don't know, the writing and the acting is enough for me that like I do feel connected enough. And I feel for them, like what they're going through. Well, you feel the love of the family. You know, maybe there was some dysfunction there. Definitely. I don't I, I don't need that that backstory of that. But I mean, I felt it. And it was just like, you know, some of the characters are like, okay. So the, the priest thing to me was probably the most confusing of like he went to go talk to the mom. I did this, but yet it's not the priest, it's, it's the, the demon demon entity, whatever it is. And he's in Chicago or some Midwest place. I'm just like, it was basically like trying to break down the siblings a little bit more, you know, which is in the lore of demons. You hear that sometimes that's what they do. They, they break you down so that they Mm -hmm. could either, like you said, Jacqueline possess you or, or 
in this case, influence you into like, you know, committing suicide or something. This movie yeah. was disturbing as shit. Holy moly. <laughs> also, like the uh, the cold setting, like you said, Jacqueline, maybe that is supposed to be more like a metaphor, too, for like the um, like the family dynamic, like what it was like maybe in this family with these two siblings, because you could they have a uh, there's not a ton of love in the family. You can see that like we don't know exactly what it was like, but obviously they left home and they didn't really keep in touch with their parents as much as they should have. That's what most of their guilt is about. They don't even keep in touch with each other as much. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think you get much of a backstory of Michael. Uh, like the conversation they have is like Michael and, and Louise are having a conversation on the porch. Hey, are you still working at the post office? And she's like, yeah. no. Like, so no so what was her, you know, what was, did she get married? She just got a way to get well, away. Yeah, you see the wedding dress as if like maybe she was supposed to get married and didn't. Maybe. To, yeah. or, or her mom wanted her to get married. Or yeah. Something. Like maybe there's pressure there. There's pr- maybe there's pressure for Michael to stay and work on the farm. And he left like he's a, you know, he's a working class guy. He's a family man. And that seems to be his main focus, but we don't know enough about him. I get that. True. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that at, at two different points, two different characters say almost the exact same thing when, Michael is talking to Becky on the phone um, and he's like, I just want to go home. He's like, you know, my mom's gone now and she's the only one I had left. Yeah. You know, she's, she's all I had left. And then later after Michael has left, I'm pretty sure that Louise says something like, you know, when she's talking to him on the phone and she's like, you left me, you left me. Mm-hmm. I, doesn't she say something like you're all I had left? Yeah, she's like, I'm I stayed like I'm here still, you know, like mm-hmm. she's still here for him and and dad and the family. But Michael left like his priorities are elsewhere. I actually think that particular scene was maybe the most emotionally resonant for me yeah. because she seemed so distraught. And I could really empathize with her feeling of like, you're already in this situation that is totally fucked. It's frightening. It's sad. It's like you're full of anxiety. You're full of dread. You feel trapped. You can't leave. You only have like one other person there to help you. And then you wake up one morning and that person is gone and left in the you night. have to deal with that all by yourself. Like all that fear and all that sadness and all that trauma. Like, I mean, it just feels so hopeless. And I, I feel like I connect. I, that might've been the only moment in the whole movie that I really emotionally connected at all. Did she have that conversation with Michael after she got the experience from Charlie's granddaughter? Like where she saw the ghost or the entity of Charlie's granddaughter? Yes, because she said something like, oh, something happened to Charlie. I don't know. Well, but yeah, I mean, she says that on the phone. Yeah, Yeah. the granddaughter had come over Mm -hmm. to the house and says, oh, you know, Charlie's been dead two days. And it's like, no, I just saw him. And and because right after the granddaughter scene, isn't that when the nurse stabs herself? I think so. I think she hangs up the phone and then hears a scream. Is yeah, that so right? she talked to Michael, I think, before that, because then that scene happens. Then she 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 passes out or yeah. gets knocked no, out. No, she saw she saw the nurse poke her eyeballs out with knitting. Yeah. Needles. Like, oh, God, that was a great scene, by the way. Like the gore in this. What do you, was yeah, what do you think like about perfect. the scares? It is, right? I, I, jump, I, I jump scared quite a bit. The scares in and the gore. Like what do you guys think about? What do we I, think I like about them. the scares? Yeah, I think they're earned. That none of them seem cheap or scares and gores, scares yeah. and gore, scares and gores. That's the name of our second gores. podcast. <laughs> scares, scares and gores. Um, 
I think there were some really effective creepy moments. I yeah. just a personal thing for me. I love creepy moments having to do with telephones because mm. I think there's just something inherently uh, disturbing and sort of unsettling about phones because it's very mysterious. Yeah. Like, especially I mean, especially line. back in the day when you didn't have like immediate yeah. caller ID and everything, but it's like, you never quite know who's on the other end. Anybody could be calling you. You can't see there's a there's a voice is it really that person's voice it's like you just never know I, I think some of the best like classic films utilize telephones as like a source of mystery and like dread. last four reviews that we've done have yeah have a lot of phone here's posts. the beautiful thing about it is that they actually intertwined modern technology with cell phones with this you know house phone that that made that weird sound and you know most of us i think all three of us had that phone that was sitting oh, yeah. up yeah. on the wall where you had to dial it in and they had that on there, which was kind of a harbinger of, you know, something bad's going to happen when somebody's calling on this phone, which was like, like to me, it was so brilliant because it was, it felt modern, but it felt old. I mean, you could have, yeah. you could have set this, you could put this setting in, you know, 82, 83, but they had cell phones, you know, uh, Michael was talking to his wife, how are my girls, you know, on his cell phone. However, you had this one little piece of equipment that kind of just, Okay, it's it's uh, rural Texas. They don't have yeah. cell phones. They've got they still have their landline, which was was beautiful to me. Yeah, I love a good landline. I also love. I <laughs> we all do. It, that finger trapping scene just oh. like they linger on it, and it's like quick bursts of the image, right? So it's not just like continuously looking at her trapping. You just see it like cut back and forth. But man, like once you see the first cut, you're like, oh, she cut her finger off. You think that's going to be it, but no, she just keeps cutting them yeah. to the point that you're not putting those fuckers back on. And then oh, no. one realizes that like she kills herself <laughs> right after that anyway. But they also set it up to where, you know, she's always cutting something like, yeah. like the first part of the movie, the first 15 minutes of the movie, she's always chopping something. It's almost like her and, way of dealing with all this stuff is like, I, yeah, I thought she was going to chop her fingers yeah. off like the first five minutes of the movie. And when she's out yeah. there chopping, she first hears that sound, the door open or whatever that she was going to chop her fingers off. And then eventually it, it, it came to fruition that she did chop her fingers off, but she kept chopping them, like chopping them up yeah. like, like carrots. Yeah. yeah. No. You expect there to just be one cut, but oh no. Mm -hmm. no, oh, no, 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 no. And then the hanging scene too, like they linger on that. And that's just fucking sad. Like your mom's hanging there and the siblings have to find her like that. That was a beautiful shot. Trying though, to get her down. You didn't see everything, but you saw her, uh, the, her second half of her torso just kind of yeah, there. in the barn and it was it was a gorgeous disturbing shot of her just there yeah great or, visual uh, image imagery i would say oh my god it, it like it, like the way that was filmed it was to me that was the most brilliant shot of the movie the you know the background because it looked beautiful it was like uh a fall setting, I guess, and you saw everything in the background in Texas, but the way she was there was so disturbing. Did mm -hmm. you guys know um, uh, Brian Bertino, I guess, uh, is the director and writer's name? He's the guy who did The Strangers and The Strangers mm -hmm. Pray at Night. I, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. actually see. I like the first Strangers. I didn't care for the second one as much. Same. It was made well. Like, there's some really cool cinematography and there's a couple scenes, especially the pool scene, but um, this movie, I feel like I, I'm interested in what he's going to do after this because yeah. I do like, I don't know, this kind of movie, this is like my jam, I feel like. I like eerie, um, supernatural, demonic stuff. I don't know, for me, that's sort of, I like all horror, but definitely this sort of uh, subgenre gets me if it's done well. 
I think I, I like for me, like if you put some levity into a movie, you got to kind of lean into it. And this yeah. movie had zero, zero yeah. levity. It, Definitely. There, was, there was nothing funny about this movie where you're just like, ah, <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, you can look at the old style phone and be like, ah, Oh, that was fucking sad. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no relief. He doesn't, Bertino does not give us any relief here. It's just kind of, we're, I feel like we're sort of stuck in this quicksand of grief and tragedy. Yeah. And the entity um, doesn't give the family any relief either. Like it just keeps Mm-mm. relentlessly going after them. Mm-hmm. Just a real, a real quick comment about the mother. Uh, you know, we, we don't, it's like she doesn't obviously last through the whole movie. She's yeah. sort of gone early on, but I feel like from the moment the movie opens and we see her like working by herself, I feel like she's already, I feel like she's already like at least partially possessed or something. I think that she's already not fully herself because she's humming. She's singing. What a friend we have in Jesus. That's like her little, like that's like her little theme song throughout the film. And we know we, we find out later on that she, was not a, a believer not no. and so the i feel entire like entire family wasn't right yeah. and so what do you hear in like... the end when luis gets right before luis when the father dies you hear the mother in the mm-hmm. next room like singing mm-hmm. and then the father you know yeah i feel like that little tune and some of the lyrics sort of reappear yeah, a couple of times good... a couple of times throughout the movie and so that just makes me think that like from the get-go she's already like descended into something like inside yeah, of herself it's not it's not it's not totally her is the way I interpreted that. Um, can we talk more about like the, the themes, the themes yeah. here, like kind of the bigger themes. Um, I, I want to try to see if we can get like some kind of handle on like what you guys each think this specifically represents, like how, how well can you nail that down like within your own interpretation like is is it kind of just nebulous to you or did you feel like you had a strong sense of like what is this like what does this entity represent specifically or is it more vague in your minds i think the like we we've touched on already like the guilt that um the siblings feel i feel like that's the main focus i don't know Mm -hmm. about the entities like drive but i mean that seems to be the main theme of the movie Mm-hmm. is like the guilt that both um well mainly Luis feels and michael i guess feels also a little bit mm. okay what do you think john no it's necessarily guilt i think it was just um maybe dysfunction of family um gotcha. I, I i uh you know there's a little bit of a religious undertone on this one mm-hmm. well i guess a big religious undertone on this one uh we don't believe However, we are not a family that's going to survive this. Um, so I think it was, um, yeah, I think it was just dysfunction of the family. Um, I, I didn't need a backstory of the dad. Like to me, maybe the metaphor was the dad was, was the evil one. However, they felt like they wanted to take care of him because they felt a need to that being the farm like a farm i could see that like we kind of fill in the gaps maybe he was rough on the kids or tough on the kids you know and michael right which is why they wanted to get away though get away you know and And, the fact that luis is kind of haunted by her father right there's a scene in the shower right and i don't think that's hmm. supposed to tell us that she was molested or anything like that but 
it's definitely using the father's imagery in a way to scare the shit out of her. I yeah, I think it was more of like I said, more of a dysfunction of the family yeah. of however they felt like family and mm-hmm. Michael and Louise felt like they had to come back to take care of their dad. Um, you know, there there was multiple times where the mom said you shouldn't be here. Yeah, you know, well, you should be off living your life. Don't worry about the dysfunction. I've got this. I, or, or, or maybe she, she. I think she meant because of the entity. Well, no, she felt her own fate. You know, if if you were going to do a commentary on this, is like, you know, maybe the mother said, "Children, spread your wings and go do what you need to do. You don't need to come back here." So, I mean, if you want to look deeper into it, is that they ended up coming back and then falling into because the same kind of trap? Though. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. I I like the idea that maybe like the father is maybe this like the central source of whatever the family dysfunction was. Maybe not necessarily like I don't know. Maybe he was like abusive, or maybe he was just like too domineering of a figure within the yeah. family. Maybe he was just an asshole. Who knows? Sure. Um, but I I feel like that could that like that could be a really good metaphor that like that's like what's kind of spreading throughout the family and they kind of fall back into it when they come back. I don't know if that's what it is, but I, I think that sounds artful. And- but they, but they also, fa- they also fall under the same fate, which is why, you know, I came to that conclusion at the end is that, that, you know, the father actually passes away and Hyderberg, like you me- mentioned, you hear the mom singing and then all of a sudden it cuts to black, but you assume that Louise has fallen on the same fate. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. You see him reach up and grab. Yeah, oh, she, because she there, gets it. There's no sequel to this. I mean, it's like she, it's, yeah, it's she, done and over. She mm-hmm. chose to stay, and that was the outcome. Ultimately, yeah. But like, so I, I like that idea, but I feel like if that's what the intention was, then at least for me, I I feel like I still would have needed to see more of that parallel in the family earlier on. I I would want to see what some of that dysfunction was. To give me kind of just a narrative through line. Yeah. Like this I is what it down. represents. I'm not saying it needs to be like spelled out for me, but I feel like you you have to have something to hang your hat on here. Yeah. And I just I don't feel like I got that. So but I, but John, I think that's a, a very interesting idea. And you may really be onto something there. Yeah. And the only the only reason why I don't agree with you on that point, Jacqueline, as far as like going back to see where the trauma comes from or wherever the damage happened, yeah, is the way I felt throughout the movie. Is okay. that 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 feeling of just like, God, I don't feel good about this, but the acting is so brilliant. The look of this. And again, I, I want to mention again, the color palette of this was not bright. It was like no, the sepia, very mm-hmm. kind of just d- toned down color, which like just gave me this sense of dread a little bit or, or, or even more yeah. of watching the entire movie because he didn't change it. There was nothing that went like really bright or nope. really low. Even Again, no relief. Scene. There's no, no relief. exactly right. Like like your background right now, beautiful. <laughs> Even when the people get like possessed, right? Like their eyes just go white, and then like mm-hmm. yeah, exactly right. I mean, there's nothing that that really happens where you're just like, man, this feels good. Nothing about this felt good. No, it feels <laughs> like just... it's a rainy Sunday constantly. And I, also, the movie has that like device that some movies have where they like Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Monday. 
Wednesday. And you know, I, I kind of love that though, bad. because it was over a seven day period. And it's yeah. just like, you know, this is what happens on a daily basis with uh-huh. this family. Mm-hmm. You know, Monday we do this, Tuesday we do, and then Sunday we all die. <laughs> what? Bloody Sunday. Sunday, bloody yeah. Sunday. I do yeah. think Jacqueline, like, yeah, maybe a sit down with like a heart to heart, maybe with, with Luis and the mom a little bit more would have helped show more of that relationship that we don't get to really see or maybe a discussion about dad, yeah. you know, how he was when he was able to walk around and be himself. Like we don't really know what he was like. Right. We just, I think the movie does a decent job of showing us through the atmosphere and the just like, I don't know, like the tension between the siblings and the, and the parents of like, obviously there's some stuff that's gone on in this family that we're not aware of, but mm-hmm. The only emotion she shows throughout the movie what, at the beginning was she was so emotional about them being there. She's like, you yeah. shouldn't be there and, like, and get, gets emotional about yeah. that. And like Jacqueline mm-hmm. said, I think she's already, she's already far gone the by the time we yeah. meet her. No, exactly right. But I mean, again, it's just kind of this, you know, this yeah. buildup of, you know, what's going on with this family. Uh, Jacqueline, I think that that a little disposition or, or a little commentary on what the family was like before this mm-hmm. would be fine. But I mean, it's obviously this family's fractured yep well Obviously. yeah that's that's clear that's i guess point. i just and like i'm again i'm not saying like i need it spoon fed because you guys know i'm oh. all about showing not telling sure i don't want just like an info dump but yeah, I, I think this movie know, does that pretty well i would I, I just i didn't get it but um and in, and in terms of the entity you know we were kind of throwing throwing back and forth some ideas about how we interpreted it and i think we all were kind of in the same ballpark but a little different for me, I thought it was like just grief and how y- you aren't really fully yourself when you're grieving and you can't no. like nobody can really escape from it. Like you can't Shit. you can't avoid it. Like at some point you you have to face it. You can't run away from it. Um, and it's and it, and it changes. It changes you. Jacqueline, you're, I could speak on that firsthand and you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Um, and you see like the way Michael ends his life like that was tremendous guilt that i mean uh, grief that he had right because Mm -hmm. he thought his family was gone Mm -hmm. he decided to join them and then Mm -hmm. he turned out he was tricked by the entity but yeah you're absolutely right you can't escape it until you face it yourself so yeah but so but then it's that kind of falls apart for like even my own idea like i feel like that kind Mm -hmm. of falls apart a little when it comes to the nurse although maybe not because then so i'm just kind of thinking out loud as it comes into my head but you know, the nurse, even though it's not her family, she over and over again, as part of her job, witnesses a lot of grief and has to sort of absorb that for them. True. I think that's one of the like occupational hazards of being in a caring profession like nursing. That well, you, empathetic. I mean, that's yeah. what she was being is empathetic. Yeah. She's, a, uh-huh. she's an empath by, by necessity. And so sure. it's not her family, but she still absorbs that grief. And I feel like it sort of uh, contaminates her or infects her. Well, and again, I mean, she mentioned it at the beginning of the movie when um, <clears throat> when Luis first came back to the house is like, I heard your mom saying things and, you know, she didn't know I was there. So, again, you know, it's this this dysfunction that's kind of spread across the family. And then, you know, she she caught it. <laughs> it's just like, ugh. yeah, through proxy, right? She was there. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't know. Mm. Uh so everybody, say- everybody dies in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Happy ending, any- right? Well, the only Hallelujah. people who 
the only people who survive are Becky and the kids, but they're not really big characters in our movie. They um, don't survive well, though. No, they don't. No, they're gonna have to go to counseling after this movie. <laughs> oh, oh someone tells me they didn't finish so. the donuts <sighs> that they brought home. What a shame! What a shame! God. Yeah, that um, was a tough scene for me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Ugh, that's that's tough for me to watch, but it could have been hits. worse. It it could have been worse. True, so like, very true. I didn't have to fast forward it, so that's that was good. Um, you guys had brought up the sort of like spiritual themes before about like faith and. Because that's something that I think you hear a lot of um, religious people say if they're trying to like convince somebody other of, of, you know, the nature of faith is that like you believe it whether or not you can see it, you know, mm-hmm. like, you don't you don't have to see it to believe it. And that's kind of the definition of faith. Right. And I feel like that's sort of an argument uh, on, excuse me, an argument being made here by the character of the priest primarily. And yes. so. But I don't know if, like, is this what Bertino is trying to communicate to us? Is this an argument that he's making through this film that, like, like belief is belief and it doesn't matter? Which is a question I would ask you. Do you have trivia on this? Because I don't know. I honestly don't. Like, like, I didn't look at this allegory of, you know, faith, not faith, evil, not evil, whatever it is. I don't know. I mean, well, well, just like well, the entity, you don't need to believe in it for it to be real. It's still going to come after you. Well, exactly. I, I, I think an entity for any family, you know, whether it's a, a dysfunctional family, an abusive family, whatever it is, you know, I mean, is it is this a trait you carry on? Now, it was, was this family's lack of faith? Was it easier for the entity to <clears> prey <throat> on them because of that? Is that what which, they're trying to tell us? Which would be a question I would have for trivia of, yeah. is that what you're thinking? You know, is that you don't have faith that you could be more apt to have this entity or this dysfunction in your family? Is that is that what he's trying to say? I don't know. I, I don't have any trivia on that, but that that is a question I'm just kind of throwing out there because I think I think what more. that what that means when the priest says it is like. He's a, you know, I know it's not really the priest, but let's just pretend for a second that he is like, I think people who are religious would say like, God, God loves you, whether you believe in him or not. Like if, if God is the creator and he's the, you know, the deity that, that, you know, the one true God, Mm -hmm. then believers and non-believers are like, alike are children of God and they'll be judged accordingly. But like, God is there whether you believe in him or not. Now, right. I happen to be an atheist, so that, but it, I'm not saying that there is, I don't know whether there's a God. Like, I could be wrong, but, um, you know, he could be up well, there being, oh, ye of little faith, you know, looking well, down on oh, Jacqueline. Oh, okay, understood. But l- let's go on the <laughs> other side. Let's, let's take the atheist side is that do you, ha- do you have communication in your family? Do you have this, this open communication where, like, like, Okay, you have issues as families. Sisters and brothers bitch and moan to each other. As you grow up, you realize that that you know there there's this family unity for most people that that always exist exists. I grew up in a family of two biological brothers and two stepbrothers. We love each other more today than we ever did. So like 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 for me is that we would bitch and moan it at each other we would get in fist fights but yeah there's there's not a dysfunction there there's not but so 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 on the human side that that that, okay so let's take religion out of this is is there a dysfunction there is there 
is there abuse there? I never experienced that in my life. So I wonder if the sheep on the farm are supposed to be a metaphor too for like, you know, God's flock, you know, his his followers. Who knows? Maybe so. Very well could be. So I mean, the way I interpret it is just like if okay, if there's like if there is a demon or or something, you know, in this film, you know, which obviously Mm -hmm. represents something else probably, but um, if there is a demon, it doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. Within the universe of this film, it is real and it has real effects. And so it doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. The family who are all atheists, they all die. The nurse who is religious, she dies. It does it doesn't matter. But right. I feel like you can you can make the same argument for the very opposite of religious faith, which most people would say would be like science, right? Like there are people that, you know, there's a subculture of people nowadays who don't believe in scientific evidence and they come up with conspiracy theories and they don't believe what you tell them, even though it's backed up by evidence and proof. But you could still say, well, it doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. It simply is there. You Isn't know? it a certain level of humanity? I mean, just being kind to one another. It doesn't, it has nothing to do with religion, science, non-belief, whatever it is, it's humanity. So this family obviously had issues. And again, Jack, I'll go back on what you said. It's like, maybe you get a little backstory of what really happened with this family. Like to me, my interpretation of it, watching the movie throughout and the fact that everybody dies at the fucking end mm-hmm. is like, they weren't good to each other. They, they, there was dysfunction in this family mm-hmm. that, that, mm-hmm. that really just kind of came to the forefront of, cut to black that's it no sequel fuck i feel like shit right now even though i'm in a really really good place right now uh, yeah and the entity was able to prey on that throughout the exactly right i mean it, yeah. it, it's not so much of religion it's just more of like fractured family bonds mm-hmm. yeah or, or, or that, that left them on, vulnerable preying yeah. on preying on negative thoughts preying on negative feelings about one another like grief um, and guilt correct yeah yeah. Also, uh, Jacqueline, I think what you were trying to say is that if this was a family of flat earthers, maybe they would survive. <laughs> I mean, I w- yes, yeah, that's exact. I wasn't trying to like call out any specific yeah. like subgroup, but that's an example. Like, <laughs> science is real, and the Earth totally. is spherical. Whether you believe it or not, doesn't matter. It, the world is not trying to offend it, it, any flat earthers that follow a cut above horror I, review. I actually do kind of want to offend the flat earthers. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I, we don't need listeners that bad, but anyway, no, I know. <laughs> I can do without trying to yeah. be a little PC. That's not <laughs> and, PC. That was not PC. No, I don't want to be PC and, and like, you know, humor the flat earthers. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Fuck them. Fuck we, flat earthers. And I'm sure we could come up with other examples too, but let's not go there. Yeah. Help me, Tom. Please. Anyway, excuse me. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So I guess the answer is like we don't know. No, so don't. ultimately, like, how do you guys like the ending of this movie? Do you think it landed? Loved it. Loved yeah. it. Fucking loved it. So I like. I originally wrote in my notes that I wasn't as thrilled with the ending. I Are you talking it. specifically um, about how the father dies and then uh, yeah, he gets just it? Sort of how it cuts to black after that. Um, I just feel like it's, I don't know. 
But in I'll... hindsight, I feel like I it does pay off for the most part. Like the fact that nobody wins, the entity takes over, and it's fine because you know what? Films don't have to end on a happy note all the time. I, we don't have to I'm, have closure. I am always a sucker for a gut punch. I'm always yeah. a sucker for a gut punch. To I think where it fits it's just this like, boom, film, and it's it, it's boom. almost like a joke. You know, you sit there, you tell your joke, get the punchline, punch them, you're gone, and I'm fine with that. I just think ending it with a quick scare like that just sort of. I remember when I originally saw, I was like, all right, the ending just sort of it didn't land as much for me. But I do think after thinking about it and seeing it a second time, it, it does fit the theme of the the overall theme of the film like agreed i agree i think it would have been really weird if there was like a hopeful kind of tone at the end or she like walks down the street towards like yeah. a better life or something i'd be like what what is this yeah bullshit? like she stayed dad dies but you know it doesn't make any sense she has nothing left <laughs> what i would have liked church if they did like an after credits or mid credits like scene of somebody walking upon the farm and finding this this shit or like I don't know, like, it's just something would have been cool to me. I don't think we need that, because I feel like this is very much about, like, the self-contained family unit. Or maybe we see the entity move along to something else. or Not at all. That's, like, such a a trope for horror movies. Maybe the entity jumps out of the water and grabs some girl on the boat. I don't know. I don't think that's ever been done before. Or a phone rings in another house. Hydroberg, I think you just wrote a really original ending. The phone rings somewhere else. There's two right there. Look, right. And then the entity picks up the phone. He's like, What's your favorite scary movie? That's me, Billy. God. Wow. How many movies did you just reference in like 10 seconds? Well, most of the movies that we did, it's me, evil. Most of the movies with phones in the past month. There's another one. Tickets. Oh, John. I'm going to spit out my truly, John. Chill. I almost just choked on my spit. <laughs> oh, nice. Avocado on your burger. <laughs> now you're putting oh, avocado on the burger. And hummus. <laughs> this, I don't see. I don't think this movie ever put avocado on the burger. I think it landed for the most part. I don't think there was any burger on the burger. No, because burgers are enjoyable and this movie does not give you any joy. <laughs> I feel like it was missing some meat. But I do. Now, some people sense. wouldn't like this movie because of how bleak it is. But I think every once in a while, a movie like this, it 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 makes you feel, feel uncomfortable or not happy. And like movies don't have to make you feel happy at the end all the time. They're not fairy tales. Agreed. Yeah. We're watching horror for a certain reason, right? To be yeah. scared, to be unsettled. And I think this movie does that for the most part in a really good way. Yes. Yeah, I, I I like a bleak ending from time to time. I don't want it every time, but. No, um, but I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I don't. I don't have any objection to that at all. And like I said, I think it would have. Been, I think any other ending would have been odd to this movie. Yeah. So I'm. I'm fine with it. But like I said, because I didn't rage. Whoa, you look a little too much like that, John. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I. Uh, to be honest, like I. I'm fine with the downbeat ending. But it didn't grab me emotionally because, like I said, I just wasn't really connected emotionally throughout anyway. So I wasn't like, I wasn't like sad. It's just like, yeah. okay, that's what should happen. I do feel like with my second watch, I, I felt a little bit more connected to the brother and uh, sister uh, bond or lack of a bond, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first watched it, I so- it sort of just washed over me a little bit and I what I do remember the most about the film is the gore, the scares and this, the tone. But I did having to watch it now more with a critical eye. I did see more of the um, the family dynamic and that did sit with me a little bit better this time. So maybe mm-hmm. it's a first time watch thing too, but I get it. Like 
you know, know. there's a lot of things that we're meant to sort of just assume on our own or fill in the gaps. And sometimes that doesn't, you know, sometimes you want to be told a little bit more. I felt like I got it on the first watch. I mean, this is the first time watching it. So like for me, I felt like I got it. So I think it just came. John, I get it. Are you calling me dumb? No, I'm just saying John's smarter. (laughs) John is full of rage. Uh, Yeah, I I don't think it's like a first time watch thing. I think it's just a personal thing, I guess. Um, Yeah. So you boys ready to rate this? Yeah, we can rate this sucker. All right. You bet. Hydraberg, why don't you go first? Sure. Thank you. You're so courteous. <laughs> uh, all right. So I say this a lot. You know, I mean it when I say it, but this great, this has great cinematography. Like, it really does. I'm very impressed by this film and what it does with the camera work. Um, none of it's like super in your face. It's just very subtle and it sets, it helps sets the tone along with the color palette and everything else. Like, you just once you start this film, like you're there and you're 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 in this environment with these people for an hour and a half. And it works for me. I also love the sound design and the score. I just thought there's like a little subtle things they did with the sound design, like with the growls and like the distortion and the um and the TV where I thought I heard the, the demon or whatever it is. And, the you know, the phone calls, it's just all really well done. Uh, just it's very subtle. It's just unsettling just enough that like you're like uh, something's off um the vibe of the film i just thought is really good it's very ominous and the sense of dread just increases over time and like you said john it, it ramps up and then it just kind of peaks at a point and uh i dig that you know um i also think there's some pretty good scares in this film they're not like jumpy scares necessarily they're just sort of creepy moments you know and I just really dig them. They're, they're done well and they don't seem cheap. Um, and the gore, there's not a ton of gore, but what's there is just really good. You know, that finger trapping scene is going to stick with me for a long time. I think for me, the family dynamic works very well because of the acting and the writing. It's a, it, I feel like I, it's a believable situation <clears throat> with these people coming back to take care of their parents. You know, I mean, you see it every day. Um, and I think you feel genuinely for these characters. And that's definitely because of the performances and the writing. Um, as far as cons, I feel like the pacing sometimes it it was a little drag, like you said in the beginning and part of the middle. Like I feel like um, I don't know. It could have just been a little tighter. Um, it's not horrible though. Uh, there's just like some parts like they they focus on the dad in the bed a lot, and I know he is the main focus of, but they a lot of the scares re- revolve around him in the bed, and I just feel like a. After a while, just it's a little samey. Like they could have done a little bit more as far as scares outside of that one room for me. Uh, but the scares that you do see in the bed, they're pretty good. Like, you know, the spider coming out of the mouth. That shit's creepy. I, I hate spiders. So that's one of my <laughs> phobias. And him on the ceiling is very unsettling. Um, and so, like, I don't I can't put my finger on it, but there's something to me that is missing from this film. That would l- make it like a top tier, you know, like a hereditary or a lighthouse. Like there, I feel like this film gets very close to that level. And then there's just a little something missing. I can't really tell you exactly what it is. I don't know whether it's another pass of the script, maybe, or like another 10 minutes with these characters. But just like I do feel like something's off just enough where I'm like, it's going to be a ding on my score a little bit. Uh, but, you know. 
overall, I really do like this film and I recommend it. So with that said, I'm going to give The Dark and the Wicked uh, 7.5 out of 10 chopped fingertips. Nicely <laughs> done. It. I like that. All right. All right. Fair you want to go next, Jacqueline? If you want, I can. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think talking to you guys for the past hour and a half about this film made me appreciate it a little more. I think more than anything, John, your ideas about like the family dysfunction and the, like the dad is kind of the nucleus of the family and, and, you know, before these tragic events and now the new seemingly the nucleus of this, you know, supernatural disturbance that's happening or whatever it is. Um, I think that was a really interesting idea. It doesn't make me feel any better about my opinions that that it's a little bit lacking in, in the storytelling. Um, but I, I do think that that was a really interesting idea that I could I could definitely see like as a as a thread in this movie. So um, that that gave me a little more appreciation. I think um, I agree with everything Heiderberg said about the look and the aesthetic quality of of the film and the sound design and just like kind of the aesthetic experience visually and sonically of this film, I think was really beautifully done, really well put together. Um, I agree that the acting performances were great. Um, I think that there are several moments in this film that will stick in my memory for sure. Um, The image of the mother floating above the ground when he sees her through the window and she's smiling that was so creepy to me. Like the floating itself didn't get me, but the floating itself didn't really get me. I was like, okay, she's levitating. But when it kind of panned a little closer to her face Mm and you could see that she was grinning, that just really put a little icy dart in my heart. Um, The, the finger chopping, of course, all the dead sheep. I thought they were goats for some reason. I don't know. All the dead sheep. I think it was a mix. Okay. Well, dead animals. So bad. (laughs) <laughs> that was such a dad joke oh my god i love a dad joke you I both do. laugh though i you both do. laugh you're dad. a dad joke <laughs> Sorry, oh my man. word oh my word uh but yeah the, the just the visual image of all those dead sheep lying on the ground and the one surviving one that we see limping along with only Poor three legs sheep. i mean it's very disturbing Actually, there there were a few minor parallels between this movie and the movie Lamb. I, I don't think either of you guys have seen that yet. Not yet. No. Um, but there were some there were some parallels with the animals, and then also some of the aesthetic feeling of it, like the isolation and the coldness and the the sort of dampened color palette. There's there were some similarities there, um, but I mean, overall, it's a totally different film. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I don't deny the the creepiness of this film and I'll, I'll remember some of these things I think for a long time I think that the movie kind of like approaches some interesting ideas about faith but I don't think that I don't think that the the writing really like fully lands them I think they get a little muddled and a little lost um, I think there was more interesting potential there with like the brother's family you know we only see them for a few moments the relationships between the characters and all that uh, I've already complained enough about what I feel like is lacking in the movie. And I think really what it comes down to, I think it's like a storytelling problem. I think it's a writing problem. 
Mm. I don't think there's any like technical problems with this film. I think it's well-crafted. I think it's well-acted. For me, it's just like gaps in the storytelling that I don't feel like it's really a complete story. Um, I agree with you that we're, John, like we don't really get a a three-act play here. We get at most maybe two acts of a story here. And I really want that complete narrative arc. Um, it, it, it kind of feels like there it's like a series of little like pins or like, like clothes pins on a string, but there's, but there's no like fabric connecting the, I don't know. I don't know where that metaphor came from, but there's the laundry no conne- metaphor. I get it. <laughs> I don't know. I just did laundry today, so maybe that's why. But <laughs> so that was bad. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't hit the, the same second time. John. Don't Sorry. kill it, John. Bad. Yeah, there, there's not enough fabric here connecting the story. Like I said, I feel like it's kind of just like a series of these moments, but it's not well connected enough. I, if anything, I actually almost think maybe this film would have worked better as like a 30 minute short film. I don't know. Mm. Like maybe you would get away with with an incomplete narrative better that way. Cause you expect it from a short film. Like you don't have time to tell a full story that way. Um, I think the, the thing with the priest, it's like, it, it comes off as creepy. Like when you find out, Oh, he's not really there. He's in Chicago, but this whole thing with his daughter, it almost seems to open up a whole other can of worms, yeah. but it's only like two lines of dialogue and it never gets explored. And I found it very confusing and she sounds like his daughter or she sounds like the mother whose name is Louis. I, somebody else's name is louise i didn't get it so i don't know it's still overall it just doesn't work for me i don't think i would ever rewatch this so i have to come down like slightly on the wrong side of the middle line here and say i give this 4.5 out of 10 chopped off fingertips oh boy okay so 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 for me Man, it's really hard to disagree and agree with you guys more because I, I agree with everything you guys said. Oh, However, there's one part we didn't bring up, and it was a very, I guess, a big scene of the movie. Slaughtered sheep. Killing mm-hmm. of a family, a dysfunctional family. That was their family business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That was well, it. I mean, the, the, the acting was fantastic. The aesthetic was great. I mean, the, the the freaking sound design was so awesome throughout the movie. It's just, there was that one scene that really stuck out to me. And we didn't bring it up a lot. We we mentioned the all the, no, 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 well, and being thrown into the fire of being yeah. eliminated. That this family was dysfunctional. That, that this was their family business. However, it was slaughtered. It yeah. was done. It was it's like over. the beginning of the end of this it was yeah. and, and you had all these i disagree i thought some of the jump scares were fantastic the gore was like perfect because it wasn't overly gory however it was effective you looked at it like when when the nurse mm-hmm. poked her uh needle uh, uh the the threading needles into her eyeballs man that was good uh the mom cutting off her fingers was so good but i mean like the one thing that really stuck out to me was this whole uh, a farm of sheep <clears throat> were slaughtered and they were thrown into the fire. It's done and over with. This is a dysfunctional family and it really hit me hard. And th- the very end, it was just like perfect way to end up. So, uh, without Are you saying say- the sheep represent the family? I do. Okay. 
I do. So the family was slaughtered. That that was a precursor of what was going to happen. Family slaughtered. This this family, no more. Um, I think it is like hereditary. Not on the same level. However, it is a greedier version of hereditary. It's similar beats. Um, so without saying any more, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10 chopped wow. fingers. I thought I was going to have the highest score. <laughs> nope. No, this movie, like, I'm still thinking about it. I mean, there's, there's scenes I think about, and it's just like, damn. I'm and, glad you enjoyed we, it. We missed some things, too. I mean, it was like talking about the slaughter of the lambs or slaughter of the sheep or whatever you want to call them, goats. They were gone. Yeah. It was, that scene was very well done too. <laughs> that scene was very well done. Like it just like opens with that that poor little fucking sheep walking up by itself, trying just trying to survive. Uh, yeah, and like I mean, it was brutal to watch. Yeah, and you just the imagery of like the slaughter and the shot of the mom of of hanging, just kind of uh, swaying in the wind of of like in, in that shot. The way they shoot, I'm trying to get her down. Oh my god, John, are you gonna give this a second watch one day, maybe? Think. If I'm in a good mood, I mean, I watched it in a good mood. So, <laughs> so if I'm in a good mood, I'll watch it again. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like, oh, man, it brought me down, but I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. You live in San Diego. I'm sure your mood popped right back up. Yeah. You look at one of those sunsets after, you'll be fine. I did. It, it was gorgeous. <laughs> I do think, like, as far as Shutter Originals go, I definitely, this is one of my high, my top tier ones. This, to is, watch. Uh, this movie is so good. I mean, it, seriously, yeah. I, it, Jacqueline, did you bring it up or Heidelberg? Did you bring it up like it should have been a, a, a theater release? I could see it in the theater. I think Heidelberg I abs- said that. I, yeah. Absolutely, I could. And I, I do see your critiques too about the script being uh, fine tuned a little bit. That might be some of what I think keeps it from being like a hereditary. You know what I mean? I feel like it has all those elements. I, I do too, but it's grittier. I mean, it's not as clean yeah. looking as hereditary. I, as far as just like a production value and like the next film from the guy who made The Strangers, I think it's excellent as far as like that goes. Like it shows that like, all right, he's done home invasions really well. Now he did like a creepy supernatural and he did that really well. So I, I'm interested I, to I see what total, he does next. I will totally watch what this guy does next. Yeah, I'll see what Bertino does next. Definitely. And hopefully yeah, he gets a theater yeah. release. He hasn't been super prolific. Like he's only had really a handful of movies in the past 15 years. Yeah. And The Strangers was definitely like his biggest success. But it's a cult classic. Like people love that film. Absolutely. I don't even like Would you call it a cult one. classic. I would almost just call it a classic. I think it I guess, was like, yeah. really it's, well. Well, it's like it a well hidden received. gem. I feel like not a not a not everybody. Really? We are. Yeah, I right? agree. We're I agree. Really I don't think it's horror. as accessible as other horror movies. I mean, I think it's Jack. Wait, are you talking about The Strangers or this one? Strangers. No, The Strangers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think the strangers is like a modern classic, but maybe so, that's because uh, I'm a horror fan. Like, I don't exactly. Know, that's like, what I'm saying. Like we are, we're aware of it. I don't know what the mainstream so thinks into, about. Yeah, I don't exactly. know what the mainstream thinks about it. Fuck the mainstream. Oh, wait, it's I'm not sure. like a, it's not like a conjuring or something like people aren't as aware as aware to it, but we are because we're I in. Yes. It seems like a big deal to me, but I don't have, I'm biased. So it is. It's really good. <laughs> and just like this film, it does a lot in one setting. A lot with a little bit, right? Like yeah. he, very true. He, the atmosphere that he sets in the strangers is very similar, right? Like it's there's a sense of dread, there's a sense of invasion, something's invading a household, and then like shit happens. There's one so. detail that that's like very specifically kind of repeated in this movie from the strangers. Yeah. When um the record player, do you mm. guys remember the record that's player right. from yeah. playing? Yeah. It's 
and the strangers the record players playing like a merle haggard song i think and it's kind it of is. stuck it's stuck on that song and yep. you kind of hear this like old-timey country music just kind of over and over and over again That's and the record player at the at michael's family's house i guess michael's house um it's got i don't know what the what the song is but it's like some kind of old-fashioned sounding sort of like country or they're so music. ominous when you hear that too and it's like a record like yeah I know that record players have made a resurgence, but like not everybody has one. It's not like right. that common. Well, obviously, but... it seems like the director's into vinyl or old yeah. music. He has like a kinda, taste it's, for it. Huh? It sets a certain mood. And so I just thought that was Definitely. an interesting little detail. So, Do we have any the, trivia? The homes look totally different. Do we have any trivia for this movie? There's not a ton of good trivia, actually. Um, the the setting or the set, I guess, um, the movie was filmed at the director's family farm. So, yay, was free location. Was it in Texas? Because that's what they said. There was like I think some, it was. Yeah, a small town in Texas. Yeah, I think so. Um, that's really the most interesting fact I found <laughs> about it. It's like it's it's Bertino's family farm. Um, it was supposed to premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival, but it was canceled because of COVID. Oh shit. Um, one interesting I this is kind of interesting, especially if you're into like film, you know, behind the scenes film crew stuff, but uh on a ra- one rainy day on the set, makeup artist Tara Brawley's truck got stuck in the mud out by the pet cemetery. So there's a pet cemetery <laughs> and was rescued by the gaffer, Jesse Curl and his equipment. Jesse Curl is the inventor of the curl grip and an, an innovation in dolly grippery employed for the first time in this film. Oh, nice. I don't know what the innovation is or what the curl grip is, but it's a thing. So if you're a, a gaffer or... Uh, I don't even know what a grip is in a movie so what does that mean (laughs) I don't know what the grip is I know the gaffer is like in charge of like making sure lighting can run electrically not just lighting but like all electricity and yeah and like tying down the wires and stuff and and can like like basically powering everything um so um you know stuck in the mud by the pet cemetery yeah. yeah. So they should have took the hard road, is what you're saying. I guess so. I guess so. So that's all I got. Slim pickings for trivia. Sometimes dead is better. You guys that ready? What we're gonna? True. You guys ready for next week? I am dying to find. Are out we, what John? We're what are we watching we're reviewing next week? Ladies and gentlemen, from 1996, we are going to be watching one of the most brutal movies you will ever see. Henry. Portrait of a Syria Kid. Oh my God! Did you say ninety six? That's from ninety six. No, 19. okay. Oh. I was like, I thought you were going to say ninety six. I thought no. you were going to say. I, I might have said ninety six. Yeah, okay. I was like, is no. this scream again? No. Okay, Henry. 19, yes. From ninety six, right. Henry. Portrait of a Syria Kid. You know, we Would just fun on show that makes you feel dirty, and you pick another one that's going to make <sighs> us feel even dirtier. <laughs> We need some levity. I, how that. good is this movie, though? I am so down for some Henry. Well, let's not I've only give seen away it once. Our view now, but I've only seen it once. Have you seen part three? I'm is just it part kidding. three? Oh, I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like what? I'm just kidding. There's no part three to this. I was like, you, you stumped us, John. <laughs> this, I know there's going to be some good trivia on that one, though. Oh, there's going to be a ton of trivia. I'm going to have yeah. to like really call it down in advance, I think. Michael Rooker's um, in this movie. We're going to have Michael, Michael Rooker on as a guest, right? John, you can... I, you're of course LA. I You're am. in California. You I'm Mary Poppin', Joel. I will watch anything with Michael Rooker in it. So why? I think dude is awesome. I ser- seriously, that's one of my yeah, favorite actors. Of all hey, that. it's our second Rooker movie. We did Slither. We did do Slither, yeah. Oh, that's Meat. right. He's in Meat. that. Yeah, he was like 
the guy. The guy. <laughs> he yeah. wasn't the guy. He's the he guy the in the movie watching next he week. He was like so. the main host. That, of the that is true. Nice. John, I think that's an excellent pick, and I can't wait to ask you next week why you picked it. Don't tell me now, but uh, I'm glad you did. Because Michael Rooker's in it. No, I'm because kidding. John's a serial killer. <laughs> you, you don't need any better reason than that. <laughs> uh oh, he looks a little guilty. Had vacant stare. <laughs> All right. Go so, everybody, watch Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Make sure you join us next week for our review of that film, 1986 Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. In the meantime, yes. if you'd like to email us with any thoughts, comments, questions, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can find us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. You got a couple other plugs there, Hydraberg. I do. So because of Instagram, I linked up with um, a person, Jason, um, who has a website called Windmill Home Entertainment, where you can find like prints and T-shirts for horror. And they also specialize in hard to find limited uh, print, like physical media. That's right. Physical media. I'm promoting it. Um, What? Yeah, that's right. So he contacted us a while back on Instagram about working together and like a cross promotion kind of deal. So I, you know, I put a couple posts up about his um, website. And as of uh, this weekend, you know, he's a man of his word. We have a link up there now under the content creators section of his website. And if you click on our link, it brings you to our iTunes page. So I just want to thank you, Jason. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to Windmill Home Entertainment. Nice. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Also, I met another podcast through Instagram called The Spoils of Horror podcast and we had a nice discussion through dms and they would like to uh maybe do something together as well and they also covered this movie and i listened to their um coverage of it they're not a review podcast as much as just sort of a a back and forth banter of the movie they just just discussed the movie in general and it's uh pretty good they just started out like we did and um they have a great like rapport and you guys check them out spoils of horror podcast Sounds good. Thank you, guys. And we got to say a huge thank you to our latest review. Yes, Seth, you left us an awesome review. I just want to give you a big thank <laughs> you for leaving us that review, taking the time. And um, like, I don't know, I read it and it just really like it warmed my heart. I was just like sort of like, man, this is why we, we're doing this sort of thing. You know, it's nice to see the feedback. Um, yeah, thank you. And I also want to give a shout nice. out. Seth has his own podcast, which just sure started. Does. It's called the Bean Dubbed Podcast, and it's an awesome uh, movie review podcast, and you guys should check it out. Yeah, Wonderful. you can find that. I, I just listened to it today on uh, Apple Podcasts, Yeah, and, but I think it's up on, on Spotify. Spotify as well. Yeah, it's on all the, all the, all the major yeah. platforms, so you can find it there. It's good. It's really good. Only two episodes so far, but it's good listening. He also has a YouTube page. I don't know the exact name of his YouTube page at this moment, but he's, he's good. We'll post it up soon. Yeah. Thank you, Seth. Yeah. Thank you to everybody that's been listening. Make sure you rate and review us on uh, your iTunes and brand Spotify. new to Spotify. You can rate us. Give us the five. And also, what I like about Spotify is you have to listen to a podcast for a little while in order to rate it. You can't just yes. trash it or give oh. it a five star. Yeah, you yeah, have give to us listen to a couple episodes. Give us 17 minutes and then rate it. So yeah. <laughs> there we go. So uh, and wherever wherever else you listen to us on your podcast. And one thing I have not mentioned is that we are on Amazon Music. So your oh. Alexa, your, your your Echo Dot, whatever it is, just tell Alexa, hey, Alexa, play a cut above horror review podcast. And you can hear us on there. So thank you guys so much for wherever you listen. Even Alexa's oh, listening. Hey, Jeff Bezos, play uh, a cut above horror review. <laughs> 
Jeff yeah, Bezos hey. listens to the podcast. Absolutely, he does. When Obviously, he's, you know, jet he's, setting and he's going to be a guest next week for Henry. Dick shaped uh, fucking Kelly. rockets going into space. <laughs> and don't forget to follow us on Facebook. A cut above colon horror review. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Yeah, Alexa right. thing excited me. I was just like, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to sidetrack you, John. Anyway. And also, don't for... forget. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yep. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week. And keep it creepy. Creepy.